Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Sydney Bassard is a speech-language pathologist who specializes in working with deaf and hard-of-hearing children and literacy. After gaining experience on a cochlear implant team and by working in another private practice, she decided to start her own. Sydney is a great example of an SLP who started her private practice early in her career, as soon as she had something to bring to the table. In this episode, Sydney also talks about two other streams of income that she's pursuing and how she plans to hire an independent contractor for her private practice in the future. This episode is a must-listen for anyone who is newer to the profession but knows that they want to start a private practice, anyone who wants to specialize, and also folks who are multi-passionate and are interested in having multiple streams of income and having your private practice be just one of them. We'll discuss all of that and more on this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So I am so excited to be interviewing you today. Can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. So my name is Sydney Bassard. I own the Listening SLP LLC, and we are based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So Sydney, I have known who you are online for years, and I've watched your Instagram account, and it's so much fun to have you to watch you shift from kind of doing what you were doing before to stepping into the role of private practitioner. So what I'd love to explore a little bit with you today is, you know, what was your early career like as an SLP and how did you get to this place where you decided to open your own private practice? But take us back to the beginning of your life as an SLP. Yeah. So mine, I would say definitely started uh, when I was in grad school. 
I did a track for working with children with hearing loss, really focusing on listening and spoken language techniques. And so I knew that I wanted to work on a cochlear implant team. I came out of grad school with several different offers and none of them were working on a cochlear implant team in a hospital. And so my internship that I was doing at the time had an opening. And I put in and I got it and I got to work on an implant team in a hospital. And it was uh, one of the best experiences. I did that for two years working in outpatient pediatrics in Virginia, and I loved it. I loved my ENT that I got to work with. The audiologists were amazing. I had a really great team of coworkers too, uh, with an interdisciplinary team, speech, OT, PT, we were all on the same floor. So you got to know a lot. And then because it's a hospital, sometimes they have a little bit better options for paying for continuing education and CUs. So I got a lot of really good hands-on training, but then also I got to really take advantage of all of the training that they were willing to provide me with. Uh, And so I did that for two years. And then I decided that I wanted to move closer to home. I loved where I lived. I lived right by the beach. I miss being by the beach dearly. Uh, But I really, COVID kind of was a big wake up call for me. And I realized, you know, I want to be around my support system. Uh, Being isolated by myself was not fun, even though I had my dog. Uh, So I decided to switch settings and go and work at a private practice. And I learned a lot um, while I was there at that private practice, but I also learned a lot about myself and how I have some very strong opinions about what I wanted therapy to look like for my clients. I wanted people to get everything that they were deserving of. I wanted people to feel as though that they could connect with me as their therapist. But then also for myself, I wanted the flexibility to do therapy, but also do some other projects and endeavors that I had going on. I love that. And I I think that's really important for all of us to do some soul searching every now and then about, you know, are you in the place, you know, geographically or whatever, um, emotionally, you know, uh, professionally, where you want to be, right? Where you're you're living the life that you imagined for yourself, right? And so sometimes that does involve a move, right? Like a geographic move. And sometimes it's about moving to a different setting, right? And I think in every setting, we can learn, like, not just the setting and, you know, the coworkers and, you know, what you like and what you don't like. So it sounds like you learned both all of those things at the private practice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So at what point is this now kind of the part of the story where you started thinking about starting your own private practice? Yeah. So when I originally moved, I had kind of told myself, like, there was no way I was starting a private practice. I was really content with uh, the listening SLP just being like my side hustle and my social media business, but not really looking at doing more with it. But then after working at the private practice for a couple of months, I started saying like, you know, I think I can do this. I think I can be my own boss. And I I'm sure that I can do a good job with therapy to where people are going to respect me enough for my clinical opinion, but also not be afraid to refer people to me. And so I had families that I had worked with that were like, you could totally do this. And I had really good family support and also support from 
other professionals that really kind of made the decision easy. I love that, right? It's so much easier when it's an easy decision, right? And it just sounds like it was a very clear decision, right? Like maybe not always easy, but clear that this is kind of the next direction that you should be heading in. One of the things I think that is is really cool about you is that you do have a specialty area. Can you share more about your, you know, decision to start a private practice and, you know, what you're deciding to do from like a generalist versus specialist point of view? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I uh, told you guys a little bit about how I was on that specialization track in grad school. And the cool thing is I kind of continued with learning more about working with deaf and hard of hearing children throughout my first couple of years of being an SLP. And so I really kind of dug into the research behind that, but also really connecting more with the deaf community with other professionals to really learn more about best practices and what that looks like with that population. So I dug in and did a lot with that. But then also um, there's a component of literacy and we know that a lot of kids struggle with dyslexia. I have a personal relationship and tie with that, um, with the dyslexic community. And so that was my first love before I even became a speech pathologist. I worked at a literacy center and got very, very good training in structured literacy practices. So I continued to stay sharp on those skills as well. So that's kind of, those are like my two big umbrellas are uh, working with deaf and hard of hearing children, um, using a holistic approach, and then working with dyslexics and literacy as well. And I've been practicing for two going on three years. I I specialized really early on, but I kind of knew that those were my two areas that I really felt passionate about treating. And I think that, you know, people sometimes wonder, you know, you know, how how long should you wait to start a private practice? And I think that there's this myth that you have to wait for decades to start, right? I think that that's kind of the old way that people used to do it. Now, I think people should start as soon as they have something to bring to the table, right? And because of your experience and your background, like you have something to bring to the table. And so why not start this private practice? Oh, I love how you said that. When you have something to bring to the table. Yeah, that is 100% true. I think people get into a mindset sometimes of like, oh, you're too young as a therapist to start a private practice or, you know, you haven't been practicing however many years long. And the reality is if you're feeling confident in your clinical skills, if you are delving into the knowledge and learning, you can be successful. Is it advisable to still work with other people and learn from them? Absolutely. And I think the cool thing about private practice is you don't have to necessarily do it by yourself. You Maybe you're seeing your own clients, but you can still connect with other business owners in the area. You can still engage in professional learning communities. So while you may you know, be treating and you're the only treating therapist in your area or, you know, in your practice, you still have all of these resources that you can pull from and still gain and add knowledge to areas you might feel a little bit weaker in. I think that's another one of the the myths about private practice is that it has to be lonely, right? That if you're, if you're the single business owner that you really are by yourself and just, you know, don't have peers, but, you know, because of 
the internet <laughs> these days, like it's really easy to find peers that are either in your local area or all over the place who are running private practices that you can, you know, collaborate with, you can commiserate with, you can, you know, share marketing strategies and tips with and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, private practice does not have to be lonely. But you do have to make those connections and and do a little bit of the you know the legwork to to make friends with these people who can provide those wonderful relationships for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so as you're starting to shift into private practice, what would you say that your private practice looks like right now? Well, I love this question. So my private practice is a little unique. So I have a split. Of part of my private practice is seeing clients. And so I see clients via teletherapy pretty much primarily right now. I don't really have a lot of people in person. Um, and then the other part of my private practice is doing something completely different and it's digital content creation. Uh, so I get to work with other businesses and help them with social media content, um, our content for blogs or their website. And I do that. Uh, and then I also work with another company as an independent contractor doing literacy trainings for them. So, okay. Sydney, I love this because, you know, what, one of the big purpose of this podcast listeners, I don't know if you know this or not, I maybe don't share it enough is to just show that like private practice is like choose your own adventure, right? You, you know, everyone's private practice looks different. You know, what, what Cindy has said, or, or Sydney, these like um, three wings of her, of her business are all very different. And like, I think that's really cool to be able to, you know, use your talents to earn money with your talents and to be able to, you know, do different things. And there, there may be a time where your private practice grows and grows, and maybe, maybe you stop doing one of those other things, right? Or maybe, you know, there's only so much time, but you can ultimately decide where you're putting your efforts and like, what are you really liking or where, what, what is, you know, making the income that you want or need. Right. And so I think that's really, really cool that you're getting to do all those different things. Yeah. And it helps prevent me personally from feeling burnt out. I think therapy is my heart and I probably will never stop doing therapy altogether because that's how we keep our skills sharp. That's how we stay on top of our game as a therapist, but it also can be very hard. You know, I think that's why a lot of SLPs feel, they feel burnt out. They feel tired because if you are seeing people back to back to back from the time you start at seven until the time you go home at three, four, five, whatever time that is, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of paperwork. That's a lot of things to keep track of. And I know that that was very tiring for me and it made me burnt out. And so the cool thing that I like is I get to tap into those other sides of my brain. You know, I get to tap into the creative side of my brain. I get to tap into the analytical side of my brain to figure out like, how can we make this more marketable? What do we need to do to really sell this product or sell this point? And so you're getting to draw on different things that bring you joy, which helps prevent you from feeling like you're stuck in a rut. hundred percent. I completely, I totally agree with all of that. Right. We, we just have to like, life is short. We need to be doing things that we love to do that we are fulfilled by and that are providing a service. Like all three of the things that you said that you're working on are all things other people need, right? That's a, there are needs there. Right. And it's fulfilling your own needs. And I think that's 
Really cool. I have a, a question about your telepractice, um, the you know, seeing clients via telepractice. I think that's one of the things too that a lot of SLPs are like, well, I want to do teletherapy, so therefore I should work for one of those telepractice agencies. And like, that's how you do it, right? But you can actually have your own private practice that offers teletherapy, right? Is that basically what you're doing? Yeah. So I, these are my own clients um, in which I see via teletherapy. I think the cool thing is like COVID made it more normal and typical, I would say, for people to use teletherapy as a means of uh, providing a service. And with having the ability to get more than one license, I know Asha is working on like the interstate uh, compact, which once that goes into effect, I think will really be a game changer for SLPs because then you don't have to keep applying to each state for a license. You're opening up yourself to really be of more of a service to such a wide variety of people and people that may have never had access to our services before because they can now access them through the internet. Yeah. Right. Do you still have your Virginia license? I do. And I'm working on a third one. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So that's another thing that's really cool is that, you know, private practice used to be a very local thing, right? Like it was very local. You had, you know, either you had a brick and mortar, which again was kind of the typical thing that people, you know, thought, um, or maybe you saw people in their homes or whatever. But now that you can see people in the entire state slash the state that you used to live in that you still kept your license for, like, it's no longer a question of, well, what if I move? Well, if you move, you just, you're going to get a license in that next state. You keep your old clients and you don't have to close down your private practice anymore. You can actually keep building it. Right. Yeah. But just so, I mean, it's just so much flexibility. Yeah. And I also really love that you, you know, you have a specific area that you're working in. That's one of the things I think that's really important is that, you know, you can, people can decide if you, if they want to be generalists or specialists. I do think that, you know, getting word of mouth referrals, you're much more likely to get that if you have a specialty, right? So, you know, you've obviously, you know, built up this space and you've got, you know, experience with the cochlear implant team, experience with, you know, toddlers who are deaf and hard of hearing, like, and little kids. And I think that's so cool that now, you know, you're going to be known for that and you'll get referrals from, you know, three different states, you know, when you're, when you have that third license, like, that's awesome. Like you are really becoming known for that and you're going to get referrals from all over the place for it. Yeah. Every time that I meet with professionals, like that's what they want to know about. They want to know what sets you apart. And that's kind of the tidbit, the marketing aspect of your private practice is what makes you different? What what do you bring to the table that kind of makes you unique? And that's what helps to build those connections when there isn't somebody else kind of in your area that's servicing the clients that you service, or you have uh, training that really sets you apart. That provider, that referral source is going to remember that because they're like, oh yeah, I met this person that does that. Versus if we're just a generalist sometimes, it might be a little bit more difficult because they might already have their set ties with certain generalist providers. Um, and I don't remember where I read this at, but it's it takes multiple points of meeting somebody before someone becomes a reliable referral source for you. So you might have an initial meeting then you have to have another meeting. Then you have to maybe see them 
somewhere else or, you know, chat with them in different spaces before they will refer you, refer to you as a provider versus if you do something that's a little bit specialized and out of the norm, you might be more likely to quickly become a preferred referral source for them because they don't have anybody else that can do that. Yeah, because people want to send, this is like human nature, the psychology something, right? It's like you want to send someone to someone who's going to do a really good job. This is why people love recommending restaurants, right? Say, oh, I had this really good meal. And then there's some sort of a, um, and I'm blanking on what it's called, but like a psychological principle where we want to be helpful. We, we, it, it, It elevates your status or something. If you tell people about some good thing and then they go there, they have a good experience. Then they're like forever indebted to you that now they've had the best cheesecake they've ever had or like whatever, right? And so that's the same thing that happens with providers. When you provide a great service, your clients are going to tell other people and maybe they're going to tell their pediatrician or, you know, someone who works with them. And then that also kind of elevates you as someone who is a great person to refer to because they know someone who had a good experience with you. So that's another really important thing about building word of mouth marketing is it's not just about, you know, getting your name out as many places as possible. It's about having your clients have really good experiences. So they do the marketing for you. Yep. Okay. So what are the next, try to flash forward in your head, like the next six months to a year from now, what would you like your, you know, professional life to be like at that time? Oh, that is uh, hard. I'm trying to stay focused on the present No, but looking forward, I would love to start looking at potentially bringing on an independent contractor um, and having somebody else do therapy too. I'd love to see my caseload continue to grow, do more advocacy work within my local community with some of the uh, providers that I've met and really build something special uh, with my practice and continue to take advantage of all of these different opportunities that are coming my way um, and tap into different spaces that I just haven't been in before. But now you have the time for and the energy. It's not just the time, but it's the energy, right? Exactly. Can you imagine working a full day and then trying to come home and do more? That's tiring. So it is very nice now that I can set my day to do what I want. And then, you know what, you guys? If you ever need a nap in the middle of the day, you just go take one. You don't have to ask anyone for permission to get a couple of extra snoozes in. Um, So that is a wonderful, wonderful feeling to always feel the freedom to do what I need to for myself and for my own body. Well, and that's really a different way of working, right? That I had another guest on the podcast, um, Martha Horrocks. She is based in Maine and she does uh, fluency therapy via um, the internet. Um, Martha Speech is her Instagram handle. But she has a very similar setup where she sees private clients. She sells materials on Teachers Pay Teachers. And she has a very balanced life where she, you know, she, you know, does just enough of the private therapy to make the money that she wants to make. But otherwise, she, you know, kind of can take a nap in the middle of the day. Right. And I think that's the way that like this next generation of private practitioners are thinking about doing it. Right. That they're not trying to necessarily recreate 
a job for themselves that has that's like going to overwork them like their previous job. It's like, let me create something where I'm making the income that I need, but I'm also creating the flexibility to take a midday nap or to, you know, take your dog to a walk or go to the gym or whatever you need to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Okay. What advice would you give to someone listening? Who's like, wow, this sounds like a pretty good situation. I want to, I want to do what she's doing, but maybe they're nervous, right? Maybe they're like, Oh, but this, but that, what advice would you give to someone who is like, you know what? I'm really thinking about private practice, but I'm just not sure. What would you tell them? So the first thing is to save. You don't have to have a lot of money necessarily to go into private practice, but while you have a full-time job or a steady paycheck, go ahead and start putting money away to further your goal of a private practice. Go ahead and start making connections with people. I was connecting with people long before I thought about ever doing a private practice, and those people have turned out to be so amazing for my business in ways I never would have imagined. And then tell people. You can tell people before it's a thing. I uh, told several people about my private practice before I had officially announced it on the internet, before my website was fully done. Go ahead and start putting yourself out there. I actually started building my caseload before I was really officially ready to open my doors by scheduling evals towards the end of the month in which I was ready to be in business. You can do that. Before you're even thinking like, oh, I my date is March and it's February. Go ahead and start telling people. Go ahead and start getting your eval scheduled for March. You you can slowly get to where you want to be, and it doesn't have to be this clean break and then silence. Yes, I totally agree with you. Right, like build up over time, and I really like what you said about starting to to talk about it, even if it's on a small level, right? Even if you don't feel safe talking about it, like at your at your regular job, or maybe with like you know some friend who you know talks a lot or something like that, or maybe on online. But like you know, any opportunity you get, like maybe it's a, an Uber driver, or maybe it's you know you you take your dog to the dog park and you're just talking to people and they say, oh, what do you do? Rather than saying, oh, I'm a school based you know, speech pathologist, you could say, oh, I'm a school-based pathologist with a private practice. Why not practice it that way? There you go. Elevator pitch started early. That's right. Oh my gosh. This was so much fun. I loved getting to know you and loved getting to hear about your private practice. And I'm sure that there are people who are listening who are going to want to connect with you online. So where can they find you on social media and the internet? You can find me at the listening SLP on all social media platforms, or you can send me an email at hello at the listening SLP.com. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Don't you just love Sydney? She's a fantastic example of someone who is going for what she wants in life. Two of those things are creating a more balanced career. And the other is choosing to focus on the professional areas that are fun and exciting for her. And guess what? you can do the same thing. There is no one way to have a private practice or to be in private practice. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, Sydney's story is different than other people's stories. And well, that's the point. Private practice is kind of like choose your own adventure, and it offers an opportunity to create what you want and what works for you and for this season of your life. If you're interested in working with your own private clients and you want step-by-step help to get started, 
complete with checklists and templates and ongoing support from our mentor team. The Start Your Private Practice program will be opening for enrollment again very soon. Head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist to get notified as soon as we reopen. Oh, and we only open a few times a year. So as soon as you have the chance, come join us. We've helped close to 2,000 people through the Start Your Private Practice program, and we would love to help you too. So if you've been thinking about private practice for a while, but you're overwhelmed and stuck in analysis paralysis, let us help you get unstuck, moving forward, and have the information and support that you need to have a profitable private practice, either full-time or on the side. So again, you can go to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist to sign up. Until then, I hope that you'll join us next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Till then. I decided to invest in the Start Your Private Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. (laughs) And I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.